All right, so I want to start, and I want to give a quick report from some of the testimonies that we've heard. So I think it's important this morning for us to step into a place where we realize that God is moving. Sometimes it's easy for me to look back and go, I remember when God moved. And there's so much about remembering. We need to remember, but we don't just remember, we also look in the present. God is moving. And I want to share some testimonies that have come from our staff time. We always start staff meetings with testimonies. It's usually the first 30 minutes. Sometimes for all of our staff in the room, it can be the first hour and 30 minutes. Just depends. Um, because the Lord is moving. I want to read, I want to read you some of these. I, I, want you, I want this to jumpstart your faith this morning. So there's been jobs, promotion, increase, youth coming to know Jesus and encountering him. We had a healing testimony of someone that was healed from dyslexia. We've heard of exponential increase in business this year. A drug addict is now off the streets. Someone was healed of food sensitivity issues. We had kids, listen, when we had the burn night here with our, we had a burn team come in, that's another ministry of Sean Foyts and they had all the kids praying over people. And I think we had multiple people healed that night because the kids were praying over people because there's no junior Holy Spirit. Come on. That's so good. Someone that had not experienced the fresh filling of the Holy Spirit was filled with the Spirit. That's so good. We've seen provision. We've seen, we had knees healed this morning. Come on. God is moving. He's moving. And so what I want to put forth to you this morning is when you walk into this room, there should be this excitement in your heart, like this expectation, this anticipation, like this is not a normal Sunday. I don't want to do a normal Sunday. I want to expect God to do the impossible. I want to expect him to do something. This is why, this is one of the Reasons why I believe it's so crucial that we gather together. The gathering together of believers in this place, in this house, is so important because when we come together, something happens when you've been spending time with the Lord. I've been spending time with the Lord, and we all come together and we say, Jesus, you're our dearest Father. And all of a sudden, something happens in the room. All of us together, I, I can't stress enough, it's important that we are here this morning. So I just, I believe with all my heart that when we gather, powerful things happen. Corporate worship reflects heaven's reality. Oh, did you catch that? Corporate worship is what they're doing in heaven all the time. They're corporately, the angels never stop singing. The elders never stop bowing. It's corporate worship. I believe that we are a people gathering together to love him. And so I just, I can't stress that enough. Like the Lord is moving. Let's anticipate and expect him to move every time we walk into this room. Come to House of Prayer on Thursdays at 9 a.m. We just sit in his presence for two hours. And it's one of my favorite times of the week. It's so good. So I believe that the Lord is bringing multiplication this year. I talked about that a, a while back. You can go back and look at that message where I've, I've felt like the Lord gave me a word about multiplication and exponential increase. But we can't let the enemy 
come in and bring a fence that prevents us from seeing it. I'm going to talk about that this morning. I believe that the Lord is, is giving us a new wineskin. But one of the things that hinders us from stepping into the new is familiarity that becomes an offense. Some of you are like, what is this guy talking about? I'll get there. I just want to set the table for a minute. So if you have your Bible, your smartphone, whatever you use for your Bible, um, I do love real Bibles, but the phone is great. Technology these days is amazing. I want you to turn to Matthew chapter 4, and specifically verse 23. I'll also throw it up on the screen. Matthew 4, 23, but I want you to turn if, if you have your Bible. It's, it's always good to get in the Bible, get in the Word. So what I want to illustrate this morning to start off, I, I'm going to be, the title of my message this morning is Letting Go of Offense. And I want to illustrate the, the difference in Jesus' ministry here in Matthew 4 and what Jesus encountered in Nazareth in Matthew 13. So here in Matthew 4, it says Jesus was going throughout all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every, everyone say every, every kind. That, leaves, that doesn't leave anything out. Every kind of disease and every kind of sickness among the people. Verse 24, the news about him spread throughout all Syria. And they brought to him all, say all, they brought to him all who were ill, those suffering with various diseases and pains, demoniacs, epileptics, paralytics, and he healed them. Verse 25, large crowds follow, followed him from Galilee and the Decapolis and Jerusalem and Judea and from beyond the Jordan. So I want you to see here, it says Jesus was going throughout all of Galilee. So he's traveling throughout Galilee and it says he's healing every kind of sickness. And I love this statement. Verse 24, it says, all who were ill. So everyone that Jesus is encountering that needs healing, Jesus is praying for them and they're getting healed. He's traveling and he's beginning his ministry here. And he's walking in the power and the authority of God. And he's healing people everywhere he went. And it says all. I love that it says all. Not some, all. That ought to just jumpstart your faith a little bit. And so here, a, a little bit of the backstory here too, it says that he left Nazareth and went into another region of Galilee. Now, I want you to turn to Matthew 13, verse 53. Matthew 13, verse 53. And I want to I contrast what, what we just saw in Matthew 4 here with what we see in Matthew 13. It says, verse 53, when Jesus had finished these parables, he departed from there. Verse 54, he came to his hometown. His hometown was what town? Nazareth, that's right. And he began teaching them in the synagogue. Very similar start to Matthew 4. He's teaching so that they were astonished. And he says, where did this man get wisdom and these miraculous powers? Verse 55, 
Is this not the carpenter's son? Is not his mother called Mary and his brothers James and Joseph and Simon and Judas and his sisters? Are they not all with us? Where then did this man get all these things? Now, verse 57, and they took offense at him. Ooh, that's a little bit of a different turn. And then Jesus said to them, a prophet is not without honor except in his hometown and in his own household. I want you to look at this, verse 58. And he did not do many miracles there because of their unbelief. Do you see the difference in these two passages? All who were ill. And then he comes to his hometown, and it says in verse 57, they took offense. Oh, I I found that so fascinating when I read that. And I found myself going, what does that mean, right? But the outcome was clear in verse 58. He wasn't able to do many miracles there because of their unbelief. I love what the message translation says. It says they got their noses all out of joint. (laughs) Isn't that great? They got their noses all out of joint. So Jesus is in his hometown. This is Jesus' hometown. He started his ministry. He's he's walking in the authority and the power of God. I'm imagining that he probably hasn't returned home since this moment. We definitely don't have a, a recorded time when he did until now. And so Jesus is walking in. You can imagine this. This is like the homecoming parade, right? You're coming home. Nazareth was not a big city. Everyone would have known Jesus. And so Jesus is coming in. It's like homecoming. Yeah. Maybe not yay, right? They're not happy with him. They they took offense with him. This is supposed to be where Jesus should do the most miracles. This is supposed to be the place where people are like, oh, Jesus is here. Jesus is back. Instead, it says they took offense at him. That's fascinating. So why? Like, what does offense mean? I want to read you a few definitions of offense. When someone is offended, then they feel that something is a violation of their sense of what is proper or fitting. Offense comes in when someone is embarrassed because of someone or when there is deep wounding. Taking on an offense means that because someone did something, you are hurt to the point of not wanting to listen to or believe anything that they say. In Nazareth, they were offended that he was the son of God. They were offended that he could perform these miracles. The Greek word there for offense is the word scandalizio. Say scandalizo. It's where we get the word scandal. And it means to offend, of course, but it also means rejection. So they were offended in this passage to the point of rejecting him. This is his hometown. And yet they're so offended with Jesus that they reject him. And they're unable to see him for as he is now. I love what the the Bible reference says. It says that they were not only disinterested in more information, they were insulted at the idea that someone like Jesus could be so important. The sense of this passage is that the Nazarenes thought the hometown boy was trying to rise above his place. They felt like he was rising above the Jesus that they were familiar with. 
the result was that Jesus was only able to do a few miracles due to their offense that resulted in unbelief. I want to present to you two things that offense does. Offense prevents you from stepping into what God has ahead. Because if you're offended at him, you won't look to the future to see what he has. The second thing is this. It prevents you from seeing what God is doing. Have you ever noticed that like when you're offended at someone, you like don't really, you know, you don't really want to be around them. You're like, ah, they're just, they're just, ugh, I'm just so offended. You know what I'm saying? And it prevents you from seeing the good that that person might be doing because you're so offended at the one thing that offended you. Is that just me? <laughs> offense creates a barrier. I love that it's offense. What does offense do? It puts up a fence around your heart. And it starts so subtle. It just starts with one board. This person did this to me. And you're just nailing one board. Pretty soon, though, if you stay in that place, you're going to nail up so many boards, you're going to wall up your heart. And your heart is going to remain in a place of offense that actually is going to lead you to reject the very thing that God might be doing. And listen, as we continue this morning, I want to make something clear. All of us at one point have been offended. Can I raise both hands? Are, are, we, are we people, human beings? Do we occasionally struggle with emotions like offense? Yes, we do. And so I just want to say something. Like no matter how you came into the room with today, Jesus can wipe all of that away. Like if we just give it to him, and, and so it, it could be easy sometimes to step into offense, but I believe that we are going to find freedom this morning through his love. And so I, I want you to know, like, this is a safe place. Like, I'm walking in and I'm preaching to myself this morning. So I, I want to talk to you about a key thing here. I believe that the reason that offense came in for the Nazarites was familiarity. Say Familiarity. I believe that familiarity can breed offense. I want to go back to verse 55. They asked all these questions. Is not this the carpenter's son? Is not his mother called Mary? And his brothers James and Joseph and Simon and Judas and his sisters, are they not all with us? Where then did this man get all these things? I want you to see one of the first things that happens when you step into real, like when you're so familiar and something outside of your comfort zone is happening. Oftentimes you ask a lot of questions. Why? What's, what's going on? So they ask, is this not the carpenter's son? They were familiar with Jesus as a, as a boy, as a carpenter. It was a skill set that Jesus had, right? He was a carpenter. And so they were familiar with this side of Jesus. Like, aren't you supposed to be a carpenter? Why are you doing all these signs and wonders? Aren't you supposed to be this person? This is who we thought you were because this is who you were years ago. And of course, we all know he was the son of God at that time, but he hadn't started his ministry yet. He wasn't, he wasn't walking in the authority that, that he was now. Listen to this. Is not his mother called Mary? So they're continuing to ask questions. They were so familiar with his family and who his family was that they were unable to see him as he was now. 
Their familiarity with who they knew him to be prevented them from seeing and believing in the power and the authority that he was walking in. They rejected him because they thought they knew him. Sometimes we can be so familiar with where we're at. We can, we can be so familiar with something that when something else comes, we're like, oh, I don't, I don't want that. Whatever that is, that's unfamiliar, uncomfortable. I don't want that. And we can actually take up an offense against the new thing that God wants to do. I love the, the, the difference here. In, in John 4, remember the Samaritan woman? They hadn't heard about Jesus. And this woman approaches, Jesus approaches this woman, and all of a sudden there's this dialogue where this woman is like, oh, I, I, Jesus is here. And she comes in and she steps into this moment, and the Bible says that she went off and she told everyone, come and see. So this is such a stark difference. They, didn't, they hadn't heard of Jesus. They didn't know Jesus. And so there's this moment where when they see him for who he is, they're like, oh, I want him. But in Nazareth, they had known Jesus. They were familiar with him. They were familiar with who his family was. And so he walks into the same moment, and instead of come and see, it's, who are you? And why are you doing all these miracles? Aren't you supposed to be just doing woodworking? Aren't you supposed to just be a carpenter? Aren't you just, just supposed to be the son of Mary? They weren't able to see him for who he really was. Their familiarity led them to putting up fences around their heart. Sometimes our familiarity with the status quo or the way things used to be with God and with others can lead us to picking up an offense and to actually be offended. I remember back in ministry school, we went through this crazy time where like almost every time we were here, people were falling out in the Holy Spirit, in the power of the Spirit, which I love, by the way. I think it's amazing. We need to continue to see God touch people. Do it again, God. That's all I have to say. So we're in ministry school, and, you know, I'm in this line to be prayed for, and there's, you know, all these speakers are coming through time after time after time, and people are falling over, and then they get to me, and I'm still standing there. Even after I'm prayed for, I'm still standing there, and I'm like, well, that person fell, okay? That person fell, okay? Is this weird that I'm still standing up? And I started to kind of, you know, just kind of got in this place where all of a sudden I found myself picking up an offense against the Lord. Why, am, why are you not touching me, God? Why am I not falling over under the power of the Holy Spirit like these other people? And so speaker, you know, we, we continue to have times of ministry, and this, this went on for a period of time where I was like, man. And so now it got to the point where I went up for ministry knowing. I was like, you can pray for me, but I ain't falling over. Good luck. Hasn't happened the last five conferences we had. Why would it happen this time, God? Why, why, why would it happen this time if it, if it didn't happen yesterday? And I remember one particular day we were down in the other building, the CAC as we call it, the Community Arts Center, and one of our friends, Dan McCollum, was, was here. And he, he was ministering, and I remember just kind of being in the same ministry line, you know, all right, let's do this again. You know, 
Jesus, please touch me, you know? But having those same feelings of like, no, Jesus isn't going to touch me. I remember being in line, and all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit said, do you believe that I can do it? And I remember being like, Lord, I haven't experienced it. And then I can remember the Holy Spirit saying, you haven't experienced it because you've stepped into an offense against me because you don't believe that I can do it anymore. You don't believe that I can touch you. So I remember having this moment with the Holy Spirit. I was standing in line. He, he was praying over people and I just said, Jesus, I repent. And Lord, I believe that you can touch my life. And right in that moment, I had to get rid of that offense that I had taken up against him that said, oh, everyone else is encountering Jesus, but I'm not going to encounter him. And I'm, I want you to, and I'm not going to say that it was for this reason, but after that moment, the minute he touched me, I fell over. And it wasn't because I was trying to fall over. It was because I repented of something and allowed the Holy Spirit to move my heart. I had taken up an offense against the Lord. And when we do that, we wall up our hearts. We actually talk ourselves out. We think our way out of an encounter. Like, I believe that the Lord wants to do something new. Isaiah 43, 19, behold, I am doing something new. Will you perceive it? Why does Isaiah say, will you perceive it? Because if we, are, if we pick up an offense or we're so familiar with our territory and we're familiar with where we're at, we won't perceive the new thing God wants to do. If you own a business, if you're involved in business, if you're doing anything um, with teams and with things, one of the phrases that we have to guard ourselves with. Have you ever heard this, this statement? This is the way we've always done things. How many of you have heard that? This is the way we've always done it. It's one of the most danger, dangerous statements to creating healthy culture. It's one of the most dangerous statements to growth is this is the way we've always done it. I believe that phrase is one of the biggest hindrances to growth because it leads us to a feeling of being so content and comfortable that we miss an opportunity to grow and develop. Who's heard of Blockbuster? Okay, we have a large percentage of the room. I wasn't sure what it would be. So we all know Blockbuster, right? Blockbuster started out, they were the thing. You know, you went in, you bought a movie, um, you know, you had your little card and you know, you'd hand them the card. It was almost like a movie library, except that you had to pay for each one. And Blockbuster was the thing, right? And then as they continued to grow and as the years progressed, what ended up happening was is they ended up not being able to innovate enough to stay alive in the marketplace. And Netflix comes in and takes over the business. I believe that one of the reasons why that happened is because of that very phrase. This is the way we've always done things. We've always done it where people have physical videos, so let's just keep doing it that way. It hindered them from growth. So this morning, we're just going to get rid of that phrase, and instead we're just going to say, Lord, even if this is the way we've always done it, is there a new way to do it? 
Is there something new that the Lord wants to do? Yes. What is it, Lord? I want to know. So I believe for some in this room, there's a new business opportunity. There's a new encounter. There's a new season. But you have to confront the familiar in order to step into it. Jesus is walking into Nazareth with new wine. But the people in his hometown are so familiar with the old that they are unable to step into the new. We can become so familiar that we develop an offense when things happen. And this happens with, with God, but it happens with others. Like, oh, they didn't do what I wanted them to do. And slowly but surely, we begin to pick up that offense. We pick up that thing. They have always been this way. We can be so familiar with the way that things are that we become offended with people and circumstances when things begin to change. So familiarity breeds offense, and offense can result in doubt or unbelief. Let's go to verse 58 again. It says, and he did not do many miracles there because of their unbelief. So in this passage, offense is connected to unbelief. Offense is connected to doubt. If offense is built up around my heart, it can end up producing doubt. Doubt or unbelief means that even in the smallest way, there is a small part of our heart that doesn't believe God is actually good. We don't actually believe that he heals, that he truly can set me free from sin, that he really does desire to speak to me. It's like that example I gave. I became so offended that I went through conference after conference after service after service walking into the room and leaving the same way because I was offended at God we can have lots of church services lots of moments but if you continue to carry that offense against God you're going to continue to walk in and you're not going to be able to fully open up your heart to him Proverbs 18, 19 says, a brother offended is harder to be won than a strong city. When you hold on to an offense against another or against God, then you find that your response will many times be to question. We already said this. They ask so many questions. Isn't this the son of Mary? Don't his sisters live here? And so one of the dangers of an offended heart is that the first response is often marked by a question mark at the end. Why are you doing it that way, Lord? Why can't you touch me, Lord? Why, 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 why? And we continue. It's not wrong to question. I, lo- I, I, I question the Lord a lot. I'm like, Lord, what's going on? But when my question leads me down a road of fencing up my heart, then all of a sudden I'm stepping into a place where I'm picking up an offense against him. And the Lord doesn't want us to pick up an offense. He wants us to keep our heart open even in the pain and even in the difficulty. That's what marks the difference in in, in walking through pain in a healthy way is are you going to stay in the room with the Lord or are you going to leave? I've been dealing with this in such a personal way in my life. Having gone through what we've been going through as a family with the loss of our son, like, Lord, I can walk in and I can leave. I can say, no, I'm not going to deal with this. 
Or I can stay in the room with the Lord. I can process my heart with him. I can process my pain with him. I can ask him questions. Lord, why didn't this happen? Why did this happen? And I can stay in the room with the Lord. And instead of fencing up my heart, I allow him to come in. To change my heart. To give me a new perspective. And to continually place faith in my heart. Man. The reality of that has hit my heart so hard. Like, I don't know why, Lord, and I don't know if I'll ever know why until heaven or until you return. Some things we don't, we will never know the answers to. But but I want to stay in the room with you, Jesus. Come on, a heart that steps out of the fence, say, I'm going to stay in the room with you, Lord regardless of what it looks like. I want to allow him to tear down those, those fence, the places where I've built up fences. I want to look at one more example, and then we're going to dive in here to, to ministry time. But Deuteronomy 1 Verse 25, everyone in this room, I'm sure, knows the story. This is when the Israelites, they come to the promised land. So this is the land that God, God has marked out for them. He's told them, I've promised you this land. You're going to step into the promised land. And so they get here, and verse 25 says, they turned and went up into the hill country. And they came to the valley of Eshel. And spied it out. They took some fruit of the land in their hands, brought it down to us, and they brought back a report and said, It is a good land, which the Lord our God is about to give us. Verse 26, Yet you were not willing to go up, but rebelled against the command of the Lord. And I want you to see this, verse 27, And you grumbled in your tents, and you said, Because the Lord hates us. I've read this passage so many times, and I was always like, well, it was just because of fear. No, they actually had an offense against God. Look at this. Because the Lord hates us. These are the Israelites. The Lord just took them out of Egypt. He parted the Red Sea, and yet here they are, about to be in the promised land. And what happens? Just because there's giants in the land, and they thought that it was supposed to look a certain way. Sometimes we have to face giants. It doesn't mean that God hates us, but the Israelites were like, God hates us. They had an offense against the Lord. Look at this. He has brought us out of the land of Egypt to deliver us into the hands of the Amorites to destroy us. Where can we go up? Our brethren have made our hearts melt, saying the people are bigger and taller than we. The cities are large and fortified to heaven. And besides, we saw the sons of Anakim there. Then I said to you, do not be shocked nor fear them. The Lord your God who goes before you will fight himself on your behalf, just as he did for you in Egypt before your eyes. And in the wilderness where you saw how the Lord your God carried you, just as a man carries his son, in all the way which you have walked, until you came to this place. But as for all this, you did not trust the Lord your God, who goes before you on your way to seek out a place for you to encamp in the fire by night and cloud by day to show you the way in which you should go. Because the Lord hates us, they were offended at the Lord. They took up an offense against him. Well, 
you know, you, you delivered us from Egypt, but here we are again facing another mountain. Here we are again having to look at these giants, these, these people in the land that you promised us. Why do you hate us? Why do we have to go through this? And they begin to pick up this offense against God instead of realizing that the Lord already gave it to them. All they had to do was go through that storm, go through the battle, face the Amorites head on. Instead, they were unwilling to because of their previous familiarity. They're like, nah, the Lord hates us. Why, why would he have us go up against the Amorites? Sometimes we have to face giants, but it doesn't mean that the Lord isn't going to deliver us. It means that we go through the storm, we step into the battle, we don't look back and go, well, we've had to face this and this and this. Yeah, you had to face that, but the Lord brought you through it and he'll bring you through this too. So let's not take up that place of offense, being offended at God. Lord, why are we having to do this again? It's okay. Realize that I am in the midst of everything that's going on. You just have to step through with me. Face the Amorites and you'll see that they're nothing for me. But instead it says that they didn't trust him. And because of this decision, because of the offense in their hearts, an entire generation missed out on the promised land. An entire generation missed out on the new wineskin that the Lord had, the land flowing with milk and honey that they were promised. I believe that, listen, the Lord promises us things, but I believe, I love what, what Michael Miller says. He says, God's promises are not guarantees, they're invitations. Oh. You know what's so good about that? Because not everything is guaranteed because we have to, it's an invitation to partner with him, an invitation to step into the land, to face the Amorites, to conquer them, to come out victorious, but they declined the invitation out of offense. What is the promised land that the Lord has for us in this next season? God never says that things will happen the way we want them to. He never says that there won't be a battle. But what he does say is that he is with you. And in this case, he had already told them that. Listen, God's love is so deep and so strong that he wants you to give these areas to him. We cannot let our hearts become offended at God and doubt who he is. Many times we aren't meaning to be offended, but we find ourselves in that place. I felt like 2020 was a really big picture of this. My sister was recently on, a, on an airplane, and there were two people, and I'm not trying to get political here, but there, there were two people. One person had taken their mask off, and another person was very unhappy with it to the point where they got in a physical altercation. They literally had to turn the plane around park the plane back at the airport and remove all these people. Now, that doesn't just come into place over someone wearing a mask and someone not wearing a mask. That's offense. (laughs) That's offense. Someone has become so offended with the fact that you wouldn't do it this way or you wouldn't do it this way that they're carrying this offense to the point where it it just bubbles out into physical altercation. 
Now, I don't care what you feel about that or what you feel about that. What I'm talking about is let's not let our hearts become so offended that we can't respond rightly. Like, I felt like 2020 was a huge, like, when you, when you dipped the thermometer into culture, it was like off the charts. People were just writing things on social media. The, pe- the things that people were saying against Sean Foynt, like the things that people are saying, you're like, how are you saying this? Well, they're saying that because they're offended. Because they picked up an offense. And so what offense does is if you're offended and somebody does something that is against that, that you maybe don't like, it's really easy to step out of, out of, out of honor and step into dishonor, to step into all of these other things, to lash out. And it's like, why are you doing that? Aren't we just supposed to like, like I can love you for the, for, for the way you made that decision and you can love me, but no, I'm offended. So actually your way is completely wrong and I don't care what you think about it. Like, Lord, help us not be so offended that we miss being able to lead people into your kindness that leads us to repentance. Oh, that's so good. Like, sometimes we get so like, this is the way. And when someone isn't that way, we get so offended that they wouldn't, that we actually talk, we actually end up partnering with a spirit that the enemy wants us to, the spirit of offense that says, nah, nah, instead of saying, no, I, I feel differently, but the Lord loves you. And I'm going to operate out of his kindness, like it says in Romans, that leads us to repentance. And my life is going to be marked by honor, not offense. My life is going to be marked by not being offended against others and against God because I want people to encounter Jesus regardless of if they agree with me or not. The enemy wants you to be offended. He, he wants you to give that place to him. If we could stand up all across the room, Sean. I know this might be a little bit of a heavier message this morning. But listen, God this morning wants to free some of us from offense. And I think we don't, all, we don't walk in thinking, oh, I know I'm offended. You know? A lot of the times we're faced with those questions. Lord, why? And pretty soon the why questions, if, if we stay in that place, it'll lead us to doubt. One of the things that I've had to struggle with the hardest over the last couple of months is, Lord, why didn't you heal in this moment? And that's a question that I, won't all, I don't think I'll ever quite know the answer to because we live in a fallen world and not everything happens the way that we think it needs to. But if I let that question fester in my heart long enough, it turns from a question to a statement. It's not why now, it's Lord, you don't heal. It's Lord, you won't speak to me. It's Lord, you don't move when I pray. What that is, is that's, that's us. We've stepped out of, out of processing that with him and we've stepped into picking up an offense against God that says, Lord, I don't believe that this is who you are anymore. It's subtle, but it's there. I believe Proverbs ten twelve is the prescription. And it says this, hatred stirs up strife, 
but love covers all offenses. Love covers all offenses. And so I feel like this morning we need his love to wash over our hearts and cover every offense we may have taken up. And for some of us, we do. We need to, just as it says in Romans 2, 4, it's the kindness of God that leads us to repentance. Some of us, we need to repent of any areas that the Holy Spirit brings up where we may have taken on an offense against God or against others. Any area where maybe we become so familiar, like, oh, church is just this way. You know, I'm, it's just going to be this way every Sunday morning. You know, we're just going to sing three songs. We're going to have a message. It's going to be all right. We're going to eat lunch. Fantastic. We become so familiar with the, the way that church should operate that we're not expected for God to just change everything. Oh, I don't want to do church that way. My heart burns with a passion that every time I'm in this room at 10 a.m., that it is not going to be the same way it was last week. It's going to be new and fresh, and there's a deeper encounter that he has for my life. But to do that, I have to get out of the familiar and step into the Lord. I want you to break open my boxes. And I do not want to pick up an offense because I'm familiar and you're trying to do something new, but I'm so closed off to it because I feel like this is how it should be. This is how this should be. Some of us, we need to repent of ways that we have built walls up we need to repent of being too comfortable in our familiarity. For some in this room, it could be an offense at past church leadership. I understand. People hurt people. But listen to me. If you leave that unchecked, it will often lead to offense with new church leadership, even if they didn't do anything. Because you're carrying that offense instead of processing it with him. Is there an offense that, that we've built up against God? We've, we've already talked about that a lot. It could also be real practical. It could be an offense because of something your friend or your spouse said or did. Just something that just offended you and you're like, oh, and all of a sudden you just find yourself in that place of like, oh, I just I feel like I'm walling up against this person. I feel like I'm putting up walls against my spouse. I feel like I'm putting up walls against my friends. And it's just that subtle thing that the enemy tries to do where he just comes in with that subtle thought. So I just want us to put our hands on our hearts. I just feel like this is a moment to step out, Lord. I just want you to take a moment with the Lord and just ask him, Lord, is there any area of my heart that you want to deal with this morning? Show me where I may have picked up an offense against you or against others. Show me where maybe I've been walking in such, uh, such familiarity that I'm, that I'm not able to see the new thing that you were doing in the new wineskin. to Jesus right now, Lord. Holy Spirit, I ask you that your love would cover all offenses. I ask you that your love would wash over every heart in this room. 
And right now, Lord, we just, we repent of ways that we've built up an offense against you. We repent of ways, Lord, that we've stepped into just a subtle form of doubt where we said, Lord, I don't know if you can do this. And God says, I could do it, and I'm big enough to take the pain. I'm big enough to take the questions, but just continue to stay in there and trust me. Lord, we repent, God, of ways that we've built up offenses against, against friends, against spouse, against coworkers, against people on social media. Lord, we ask you that you would allow us to see through your eyes. We break down the fences, Lord, any fences that have walled up our hearts, any offenses, Lord, that have come in. And right now we open up our hearts and we, I ask you that your love would fill, that your love would fill, God. Oh, sometimes people hurt us. Sometimes things happen and it's not that, it's not that we have to be like, oh, what they did was okay. No, it wasn't okay, but I'm gonna step out of an offense and allow the Lord to heal my heart right now. Jesus, I thank you, Lord, that this morning we are stepping into a new place with you. Lord, I'm asking that as we step out of, of, of offense and as we step into your love, I'm asking that you would reveal new things to people in this room, Lord. I ask you that you would meet them in that place, Lord. Jesus, we just give our hearts to you. Come on, just spend a moment with him. Spend a moment with him. Don't worry about anyone else in the room. Just close your eyes and say, Holy Spirit, I ask you that you would reveal areas of my heart that I need to give to you this morning. Any offenses that I've picked up, any area where we've said, because God hates us, oh Lord, would you wipe that thought away? And would you put your love into that place that says, I love you. I love you. I love you. And Lord, we just say as a people this morning, as Convergence Church, we will not be afraid of the giants ahead. We will step into the new, even if it looks like we have to press into something. Let's just spend a few more moments. Jesus. Lord, would you mark our hearts, God? For some of you in this room, you've, you've been doubting if God can speak to you. And right now the Lord wants to say, I just want you to open your heart because I want to reveal new things to you. I want to speak directly to you. Jesus. Jesus. Lord, help us to not walk in a fence that, brings, that breeds rejection, Lord. Jesus, just a few more moments. Jesus, I ask you that you'd heal hearts this morning.
wipe away offenses. I repent, Lord, of any offense that I have placed. I repent of any offense that I've placed offense in front of my heart. And I haven't allowed you to get into that place to heal it fully. And I open my heart up right now. I open my heart. Proverbs 4.23 says, From the heart flow the springs of life. Watch over your heart with all diligence. For from it flow the springs of life. Jesus. burn God would your love cover us to put fresh passion and a burning desire in our heart Lord for more can, can we sing that let's just sing this real quick Let our hearts burn. Lord, break us out of our familiar boxes and allow our heart to burn afresh, God. Kindle afresh the fire within us. place and let our hearts burn with fresh passion and fire for you. I just want to invite our ministry teams to come up. Listen, I, I, I don't want you to leave this room if you feel like the Lord wants to continue to do something in your heart. If you need prayer, if you need to process with someone, we have ministry team members that will come up to the front. I believe that this is a marking moment. From this day forward, we're going to open up our hearts to something fresh and new that God has. 
So I just want to encourage you, don't leave if you need to stay and process something. The room will be open. But let's just allow the Lord to heal places in our hearts that need to be healed.